0: You know, as I partake of communion, one thing that I, I, wanna, I want us to be aware of is that in the, in the garden, Jesus said this in Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then in Matthew 26, it says, And they were eating. Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink the fruit of this vine from now until the day that when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Here's what's so powerful about that. They were in the Passover. They were partaking of the Passover, and the cup that Jesus took was the cup of redemption. It was the third cup in the feast. So Jesus took the cup of redemption, and he said, I'm going to take this, and he he said, this is my blood. This is redemption. That's literally what he was saying. It was the third cup in the Passover. It was the cup of redemption. And then he goes on to say, I'll not drink the other cup, which is the cup of praise, until we're together in my Father's kingdom. See, he knew when he drank that cup that he was going to be our sacrifice. He knew that it was, he was saying the cup that he was drinking was bitterness so that we could be born again. And that's what it says in the second Corinthians five. He says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them as committed to us. The word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I want you to understand that as you partake of communion today, this is the price that Jesus paid, that he would be sin, that you could be made righteous, that you could be made new, something that has never been before. (sighs) Wow. Wow. One other thing that I'll say, and then after we take, I'm going to share just a little bit more about that. You sit down. In verse 27, we're familiar with First Corinthians 11 when it talks about the Lord's Supper, when Jesus said, "Take this cup; it's the cup of, my new, uh, of the new covenant." Verse 26, he says, Oft as you drink this bread and drink this cup, cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes." Verse 27 says, "Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will drink; will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord." And then he goes on about examining himself. But I want to understand that's been taught wrong for a long time. That's been taught that we've got, if we're not sinless then we can't take the communion. Well, let me tell you this. If you were sinless, you wouldn't need the communion. Let me tell you something else. When they took the lamb to be sacrificed, it wasn't the, the, the bringer. It wasn't the offerer that was examined. It was the lamb. And he said if you take it in an unworthy manner and he said that unworthy manner is not recognizing the price that Jesus paid for your sin not recognizing that his body was broken that yours could be whole he said because of that there's many sick and many have died because they don't understand the price it was paid so I encourage you think long about what Jesus did for you so that you even it's been said today that he wants to set the captives free you don't have to stay in the condition that you've been in you don't have to stay sick broke busted and disgusted because Jesus bore that so that we don't have to but only as we by faith release it Hebrews says that they heard the promises but they didn't mix them with faith so they didn't enter in so I encourage you today father we bless you and we thank you so much your body that was broken your blood that was shed that we could have relationship God this isn't about dead religion it's not about formalism it's not about formulas it's about the king of kings and the lord of lords the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world who became sin that I could be made righteous and in right standing before you God I look strong at you Jesus and I thank you for your body that was broken I thank you for your blood that was shed and Lord right now With thanksgiving, I receive the communion. I bless the bread and I bless the cup in Jesus' name. Amen. You can receive. I want to share this just briefly with you. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, we've just received the communion. And I want to just give you the definitions of the words that are found in this passage of scripture if you were wondering if what I said was true or not. Hopefully you weren't. But Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I just want to give you the definition of several of these words here. In verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs. That word borne there, it means to lift up and to carry away. The word griefs means this, sickness, weakness, or disease. Okay, this is the Hebrew. This is not what I think sounds cute. This is the Hebrew. He says that he bore, he carried away, what? Our sickness, weakness, and disease. In the next word there, it says he bore, he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word carried there means to bear a heavy load. <laughs> our sorrows, which listen, it means physical pain, mental pain, or grief. Josh said earlier that there's people who are walking in shame with their head down. And the Lord is saying, you don't have to walk with your head down in shame. You don't have to walk with your head down. He says he was wounded. And the word, listen to this. This is the one that wrecks me the most. The word wounded means to defile, to desecrate. To bore through and to pierce. So when it says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, it says that Jesus was defiled and desecrated for us. That's why I worship like I worship, because he's worthy. He was bruised, and the word bruised, oh, a transgression means rebellion, a breach of relationship. So literally, Jesus was defiled and desecrated so that we could have right relationships. And it goes on to say he was bruised, that means to crush for our iniquities, which means depravity, which deals with our relationship with him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus was wounded, he was desecrated, he was defiled so that we could have right relationship with one another. And he was uh, bruised, he was crushed so that we could have right relationship with him. The chastisement, the discipline or correction of our peace. And that word peace means this completeness, safety, soundness, welfare, health, and prosperity. That's pretty good. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his his wounding and his bruising, we are healed. And that word healed means to make whole, healthy, to restore. Amen. And that's good news right there. I would just encourage you, as I was sharing earlier out of Luke 4 and Luke 7, and out of uh, Isaiah, I really feel from my heart the Lord is saying that He's wanting to see people set free from shame. He wants to see people set free from the mistakes of the past that have hindered you from going on in Him. And sometimes it's not mistakes, sometimes it's a hurt that someone else did to us. And we have to make a choice that we're not going to allow those things. You know, he, he told the woman in, uh, that he who is forgiven much loves much. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love never fails. Love never fails. He said, well, there's prophecies, they'll cease, uh, they'll come to an end, tongues will cease. You know, it's amazing if you look in First, and this is where we were going to go today, but I'm not because of time. If you look in 1 Corinthians 12, he deals with the gifts of the Spirit. You with me? Then, and then in 14, he deals with the gifts of the Spirit and operation in the church. He talks in there about tongues and how it's to be done. He talks about prophecy, and he says that you can all prophesy, but right in the middle of the gifts, he gives what's so important, and that's love. Because he says, "Look, the, gift, the gifts will cease. They have not ceased. If you've been brought up in a church that's a cessationist church, which is a big word that says that the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, were just until uh, the, till the apostles died. That's a, that's not true. That's error. That's tradition of men. And what they, well, my Bible's not broken." 1 Corinthians 13, we had our Valentine's banquet late, a week late, because of the uh, snow and everything, and so this past Friday, we had our Valentine's banquet, it went went really well, but one of the things that I read to everyone was 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, it says this, love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not parade itself, it's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What is this? Love. It says, love never fails, verse 8, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but what When when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll know just as I am also known. And now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And here's what he said. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And that word uh, desire there is a strong word. It means to be zealous for, to burn with desire. So he's not just saying, love everybody, and if you happen to get a gift, be happy for it. That's not what he said. He said, it literally means to covet, to desire in such a way that you push everything else aside for it. But right in the middle of it, in verse 12, he, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit and what it looks like. Then in verse thir- chapter 13, he talks about love. And in there, it says, I wanted to read it for this because it says, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there are knowledge, it will vanish away. So if we say the gifts of the Spirit have vanished away, it means so has knowledge. And you know, I listen to some people talk and I can agree with that. I don't have a problem with that. I go, you know what? You've proven out that scripture right there. Just kidding. He says this. Let's continue reading. If we're going to take it in context, he said this. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then face-to-face. In context, he's saying when, when the gifts of the Spirit are done away with, it'll be when we see Jesus face-to-face. And he's not here yet. He's here in us. He lives in us through the Holy Spirit. But he, this is talking about the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus. That's when the gifts will be done away with. How many of you know we won't need them when he's here? But until that time, we're to operate in those and we're to continue to allow his Spirit To have rule and reign in our lives. That's my passion for you. Because you know what? When He rules and reigns, sin won't, discouragement won't, setback won't when He reigns. But we have to make a choice to let Him reign in our lives.